Welcome to Weston's Sermon Podcast of the Week. We're so glad you joined us today. If you've been encouraged by our ministry and would like to support us financially, you can do so at westonroadchurch.com slash give. Thanks again for joining us, and we hope you enjoy this week's message. This morning, we are in part two of our series entitled, You Asked for It, where we are endeavoring to answer your questions on specific topics. Last week, how many of you were here? Let me just see your hand real quick. We talked about the nine to five, the nine to five, and how with God's help, we can redeem work. And God can use us to change our world and our mentality at work as well. This week, we're going to be tackling the subject of money, and our our topic is actually Money Matters. Money Matters. And our title, Money Matters, is actually a play on words. Every title in in the series has a little bit of a play on words, because in one sense, money matters a lot. Money matters. We need money. You can't pay off a mortgage uh, with corn and potatoes. Back in the day, you could barter you know, your eggs for my, my chicken. <laughs> it's a joke. But, uh, or, or you might say, you know, your corn for my potatoes, and, and the deal was okay. But you can't pay a mortgage off today with corn and potatoes, uh, unless you are literally a farmer. You need money in your bank account when they go to withdraw it. You can't go to York U or U of T and not pay for your tuition. You have to have money to be able to, to do all of those things. And guess what? Even at the end of life, when you pass, we just had my grandmother's funeral two weeks ago, you still need money. Even though they're gone from this earth, the Bible says when you die that you're, you're absent in the body but present with the Lord. But you still need money to pay the funeral, the casket, the cars, and whatever else that you need uh, to do that properly. And so money, money matters a lot. We need money to live But in the other sense, if you ask people, what's the matter? What's the matter? And they will say money sometimes. Sometimes they'll say, well, money's the matter. So money matters. Or you can say money is the problem because I don't have it. Or money is the problem because it has me. And that's the important thing to to discern today. Do I have money? And money's a tool in my hand, or does money have me? And I'm a slave to working, nine to five, or, or the 80 hours. I had a friend who used to work as a chef in Montreal. Crazy, ridiculous hours. 80 to 100 hours as the head chef in a, in a downtown restaurant. And he told me, I'd get home at 2 a.m., sleep, wake up, and be back at the restaurant by 8 a.m. To prep everything for the rest of the day. And it just never ended. Thank God. God saved him out of that. But he's a great chef. Uh, in the words of Notorious B.I.G. Mo money, mo problems. Right? In, in English terms, more money, more problems. And did you know that the top two reasons for divorce. Number one. This is from marriage.com. But the the number one reason for divorce is infidelity. By the way, next week, join us as we talk about sex and relationships. Little plug there. Um, And number two reason for divorce is money. Because there are money matters, problems, but money does matter. 
So how do we, as Christians, walk and live on this earth where we know we need money, but not let money own us? And so that's the tension that we live in. And I want to share a statistic with you. Um, And these are from Jesus' teachings on money. And it says that Jesus talked much about money. 16 of the 38 parables were concerned with how to handle money and possessions. In the Gospels, an amazing 1 out of 10 verses, and that totals 288 verses in all, deal directly with the subject of money. The Bible offers 500 verses on prayer. There are less than 500 verses on faith. But more than 2,000 verses on money and possessions. Think about that. 500 for prayer. Less than 500 on faith. But when it comes to our money and our possessions, 2,000 verses. More than 2,000. And Matthew 6, 21, it says this. For where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. And so, more often than not, when it comes to money and the issues of money, more often than not, the heart of the issue is the issue of the heart. I'm going to say it again. The heart of the issue is the issue of the heart. And so, really, God is not after your wallet. I know we took up our tithes and offerings. Maybe you gave and you give willingly. But maybe every Sunday that you're in church, you go, what a hoax. What a, what a scam. And I know that there are, I've seen it too. There are men, I won't even call them evangelists, because a true evangelist wins souls. But guess what? It takes money to do the work of ministry as well. So a little side note. Ministry doesn't go after or follow after money. Money follows ministry. Amen? So we do the work of ministry and God will supply the funds and the resource to do ministry well. That's why uh, our building project is a huge endeavor to undertake and to pay. But guess what? We are doing the work of ministry and saying, Lord, this is for your glory. And now the funds will come in, in Jesus' name. And we've had an evangelist in the beginning of this year come. And I didn't tell him our situation. I didn't tell him what our capital campaign goals were or anything like that. But in our church service, I remember him saying, you will have a million dollars by year's end. And I received that in faith. And I said, Lord, if that came from man, we're in trouble. But if that was your spirit speaking through him, that he were to prophesy that a million dollars would come in, then I receive it as pastor of our church. Because at the end of it, it's not for our glory. It's not to say, look at what we did. Come check out our building. Although we are excited for, for the new space and how it's going to look and feel, what, what excites us is that this is for His glory. At the end of it all, we say, God, You did it, not us. You did it. And so He gets the glory. And I believe that when we put ministry first, money has to follow. Because the work of, of the kingdom keeps going until Christ comes for His church. And that's what we're committed to doing. So Jesus spoke a lot about it. Now, I know it's a sensitive issue. Like I was saying, we've seen uh, men on TV who call themselves ministers abuse it, who say, give me $1,000 and I'll send you a bottle of this holy water. If, if I got that bottle, I might be inclined to drink it if I was thirsty. And I know a friend who actually did that. He, he said, thank you so much for the water. 
and he drank it in front of the man. Uh, but we won't go there. But we have to make sure that as we are dealing, if Jesus spoke about money and possessions that many times, we ought not to be afraid to talk about it in church. Can somebody say amen? If, and, and it's not just talking like, let me share my opinion. It, this is always our source, the Word of God, the Holy Word of God. So today, uh, we are interested in what God has to say about money. There are so many verses, and I encourage you throughout our series, don't just listen to what I say or, or what the panel is going to say in just a moment, although the wisdom that you'll glean will be great and valuable. Study the Word. Get the Word of God in you so you will know what God says for yourself. Don't know it secondhand. Oh, someone told me that God said this about money or possessions. No, say, in Matthew chapter 6, Jesus said, And when you give, meaning it's expected of the believer to give. He also said, when you pray and when you fast. So these are things that are vital to us as Christians. Giving is part of it. And so Matthew 6, 21, For where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. And then we said it, God is not after your money or your wallet. He's after your heart. He's after your heart. So today we want to answer your questions about the topic of money. And uh, to join me on the panel, I'm going to give this dispenser. And uh, by the way, thank you. We received two email questions this week. And if you're like, oh, I forgot again to email and I couldn't remember the email address, um, don't worry, you can live text your questions. And Sam, if you could put the number on the screen right there. Um, So you can text your question on money to the number on the screen. And it's not a sin to use your phone. It's a tool, just like money is a tool. So you can text your questions, and as you just maybe want to do that or begin to wrap your head around the topic, I'm going to invite Ola and Leah to to make their way up. I just want to quickly introduce them. Give them a hand as they've... They are brave enough on this uh, sensitive topic, so to speak, um, to, to be willing to sit here and help me answer your questions And so, um, Leah, just introduce yourself, Uh, tell us, well, her name is Leah Ramjuan, but tell us how long you've been attending and uh, what areas you serve in at church. I've been attending Weston since 2005, Um, and I serve in any area that I find (laughs) there is a need, so I can't list them all, but um, I help wherever help is needed. Amen. And this is Ola. Well, I've been attending since uh, 2007, I believe, late 2007. Uh, Presently, I serve on the board, and then I pray with people. That's what I do. Amen. And so, notice I didn't say, tell us what you do for a living. We talked about that last week, uh, how that's our interest. What's your name and what do you do? But I want to know how long you've been at church and and where you serve. So, would you come on up, and uh, you can take some seats, and... I've been prayerfully asking people to sit on our panel, knowing not just anyone could get up here and talk. And so I want to say personally, I admire how Leah and Ola live out their faith um, in the area of giving, yes, but in general. And so thank you for being willing to, uh, to sit on the panel with us. And I pray that our time together is going to be insightful and that 
Um, if you have questions, you can text them in. I'm going to turn it over to Spencer, who's going to be our moderator. Awesome. Check. Let's start with our first question. It's going to be on the screen. Is it wrong for Christians to be wealthy? No, it's not wrong for Christians to be wealthy. And uh, in Deuteronomy 8.18, it says that, remember the Lord. He gave us the power to create wealth. So it's important to remember that God is the one who enables us to create wealth. And we can read through the book of Proverbs. And there are many, many references of how when you follow God, actually Proverbs 1.7 says that the fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom. And then wisdom has honor in one hand and riches and wealth in the next. So, um, yeah. Yeah, I mean, I, I completely agree with her. I believe it's the will of God for us, you know, to prosper. Because um, as Christians, you know, one of the things that the Bible calls us is that we are, like in Galatians 3, it says when you are in Christ, you know, you are, I mean, actually, no, that's, the one, that's not the one that I'm looking for. The one that says that um, um, he has redeemed us from the cross of the law. You know, Christ has redeemed us from the cross of the law. But it is written, cross is he that hangs on the tree. And then he didn't, he didn't hand it here. It says that the blessing of Abraham might come upon the Gentile. And if you go to, um, I think, Genesis chapter 13 and read about the blessing of Abraham, how God blessed him. The Bible specifically says that Abraham was very rich, you know. And he didn't leave us in the dark as to what that rich meant, you know, because... Uh, if, if it stopped there, maybe people might say, well, maybe it's talking about spiritual riches, you know, uh, uh, a mansion in heaven or something like that. But it says, in silver, in gold, in cattle. So it listed what constituted the riches there. So we know. So if the Bible says uh, uh, you are blessed with Abraham, that the blessing of Abraham might, might come upon us, and we go to look at what the blessing of Abraham is, we know that the Bible specifically speaks about uh, tangible thing that we can use here on it. It's true, like the pastor was saying at the beginning, that some people have corrupted it. You know, so, for example, there is a place in the Bible that says, money ruins a fool. Okay? Yeah. So, some people might think, well, that's, that's what the Bible is saying. You say, money is not good. Money ruins you. It doesn't ruin you unless you are a fool. Amen. Uh, Proverbs 10.22 says... The blessing of the Lord makes a person rich, and he adds no sorrow with it. And also, in Matthew chapter 7, verse 9 to 11, it says this, You parents, if your children ask for a loaf of bread, do you give them a stone instead? Or if they ask for a fish, do you give them a snake? Of course not. So verse 11, So if you sinful people know how to give good gifts to your children... How much more will your heavenly Father give good gifts to those who ask Him? And with that being said, God always made a way for His covenant people to be wealthy. I think of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. We are a part of the new covenant today. And so every promise that was made, even to God's people, Israel, we can lay claim of as well. And so... Uh, a part of that, it's God's desire to bless His children. We read it in Matthew seven eleven, And so I have to understand, though, 
if I am blessed with finances, what do I do with it? Because that, I think, is where it becomes a problem. Uh, should Christians be wealthy? And I know of pastors who are also very entrepreneurial, and they're authors, they write books. T.D. Jakes is one who I remember watching in an interview where the reporter was questioning... Thank you, Spencer. The reporter was questioning, you drive a Bentley, and you have a nice home. And he said, yes, I do. And he said, I receive a fixed salary from the church, but I'm also a best-selling author. I also own a record label. He's, very, he's an entrepreneur in every sense of the word. So he said, if you made a million dollars, would I point the finger at you and say, why are you driving a nice car? No. But all of a sudden, because I'm blessed and entrepreneurial, my, my endeavors have been blessed, it's suddenly wrong. And so the finger seems to point quickly to believers who are wealthy or ministers who are wealthy. Uh, but the truth is, God is the one who makes a person rich and he adds no sorrow to it. And I know I'm a long-winded speaker in general, so I'll try to wrap up. The last thing I'll say is what you do with it matters a lot. Wealth is not measured by how much you have but by how much you give away. And that's the true measure of wealth, in my opinion. So if I'm blessed, it's so that I can be a blessing. If, if the money I hold tightly, I, it's going to be hard for God to put more in my hand. But if I hold loosely to it, and if it comes in and I quickly am able to bless others, I believe more will pass through my hand because God can use me as a vessel to, to fund the kingdom in these last days. Wonderful. Let's go with question number two. Um, Just so you know, um, these are questions that we got via email. If you want your question to be answered first, I recommend that you do that during the week before Sunday via email so you'll be sent to the top of the queue. Um, So tithing seems to be an Old Testament practice. So why are we asked to still tithe? Okay, um... The, connotation, the, the mindset behind that is that it should be done away with. But if you read in Matthew five seventeen, it says that Jesus did not come to abolish the law, but to fulfill it. So we know that Jesus came to fulfill the law. And then um, when he, there was a story of um, the Pharisees coming to, um, to trap Jesus, and they were asking him, should we pay taxes And Jesus responded, give to Caesar what belongs to Caesar and give to God what belongs to God. Now, he was was talking to people who were religious and and they had that. They knew the law. So they knew about tithing. They, They did that. In fact, in one portion of scripture, he said that they tied even the tiniest bit of herbs, but they neglected the more important things, and they should do both. So um, Jesus was talking to people who already knew that it was okay to tithe, and he's saying to them, give to Caesar or pay your taxes, but also give to God. So it's not an Old Testament concept. It is what we are required to do as believers. You know, I have uh, two comments, you know, about uh, that uh, particular question. One of them is the fact that even though it is in the Old Testament that um, the details of how uh, uh, tithing was supposed to be done, it was well, it was well explained. Tithing actually preceded the Old Testament <clears throat> because the <clears throat> because the first person to tithe, as far as we know, was Abraham. Okay, and Abraham lived before the Old Testament laws were given. 
So it's not really true that the concept of the tithing, you know, came with the Old Testament. It was something that preceded, you know, the Old Testament. Uh, you can read that in um, Genesis 13, you know, when he was coming back from, the, from fighting some kings, and then he met um, Melchizedek, okay? And then it, the Bible says that uh, Abraham gave him the tithes of all. And the writer of Hebrews spoke further about that in Hebrews 7, you know, when it says that uh, he gave the tithes. And even Levites, who were supposed to be collecting, I mean, the Levi, who was the father of the Levites, you know, the people that... Um, who collect the tithes, their grand, great-granddad paid tithes you know, in, uh, when Abraham gave tithes. So that, that was what the Bible says. Now, <clears throat> the traditional uh, passage that is used when we're speaking about tithes and maybe to coerce, you know, to make people to give, is Malachi 3, okay, which talks about um, uh, bring all the tithes into the house of the Lord, Otherwise, uh, there is a curse on you if you, if, you, if you don't bring the tithes. And I think for me, for the longest time, I agree with that. But I don't believe I do anymore, you know, for, for some, of the, some of the teachings that, I, that, I, that I've listened to recently and then thinking about it myself. Um, I mean, one of them from Creflo, you know, Creflo Dollar. Some of you might know him. And then the other one from Casey Price. And basically, if you look at what the Bible says about the Old Testament versus the New Testament. The Bible says that Christ has redeemed us from the curse of the law. They were cursed if they didn't tithe in the Old Testament. But in the New Testament, we're supposed to tithe, like she said, but I believe uh, the passage in Malachi you know, applied to the people under the law. But now that we are in Christ, uh, when we bring our tithe, it should be a model of honor, you know, to the Lord. Like it says in Proverbs, that we honor the Lord with our substance. So when you bring in your tithe, it shouldn't be a kind of a protection money. You know, that if I, don't, if I don't do it, God is going to get me. You know, my house is going to go up on fire. You know, my, you know, my, um, I'm going to have a tire bust or something like that. It should be that we bring our tithe and our offerings, you know, because... We want to use them, you know, to worship the Lord. And uh, in the New Testament, especially the writings of Paul and Peter and some of the, especially Paul, he never really, except in Hebrews, if you believe that Paul was the writer of Hebrews, otherwise he didn't mention tithe as to the extent that I can remember. But then he spoke about giving, okay? Yeah. And then he thought that uh, when you give, it should be joyfully giving. If you're not going to give joyfully, if it's going to be that, uh, if I don't give, you know, God is going to get me. Don't give, you know, or that, because you're not going to, I don't think you're going to get any reward, you know, as a result of that. But we give joyfully, you know, we give because we decide to give, not because, uh, you know, some preachers, uh, you know, they're trying to force you to give that, uh, give until it hurts and stuff like that. No, but we give joyfully. We give willingly. We, we give because the Bible says when we give, it is given back unto us. And it's okay, you know, for us to give and expect to be given back. Because sometimes you hear people saying, uh, the reason why I give it is not necessarily because I want to get back. Well, you cannot be more moral than God. And he says when you give, you should expect to get back. Amen. Amen. I'll try to be short. But that was a good, good response, Ola. Thank you. Uh, when I look at the Old Testament, like, like Ola was saying, you were giving under the law, which means you're obliged to give, to follow the law. 
in the New Testament, we give because of grace. So one is, I'm obliged because it's the law, but one is I'm giving because of grace. How much more than, a tenth, I think, in the New Testament is the minimum standard for us as believers. And we should give, like he said, cheerfully and willingly. And uh, in Matthew 17, it's an interesting short passage of Scripture um, where Jesus is having this discussion with Peter. And they're questioning about uh, Jesus. They're questioning Peter saying, but doesn't your teacher pay the temple tax? And so there was this temple tax that you would give uh, for, for the the functioning of the temple, so that funds would always be there to take care of the needs of the temple. And, and in verse 25 of Matthew 17, Peter responds, yes, he does. And then he went into the house. But before he had a chance to speak, Jesus asked him, what do you think, Peter? Do kings tax their own people or the people they have conquered? They tax the people they have conquered, Peter replied. Well, then, Jesus said, the citizens are free. However, we don't want to offend them, so go down to the lake and throw in a line. Open the mouth of the first fish you catch, and you will find a large silver coin. Take it and pay the tax for both of us. So even Jesus paid the temple tax to fulfill the law, but also we understand that now giving is under grace. Because we're not under the law or the curse of the law, but we've been bought with a high price. And... God shall supply all of our needs according to His riches in glory. But we've been created to be give. To give. He, God was a giver. He gave us and still is a giver. He gave us His one and only Son. We are to do likewise. We have to be givers as well. The, the wonderful thing is we don't need the law to determine for us what to give. But now we have the Holy Spirit. Who, who would direct us, even in this area of money, on what to give, how to give, when to give, when to give more, or, or when we need to give our tenth. And here's what I want to say, if, if I'm allowed to issue a challenge, even though we're supposed to be answering the questions, is I know we talk about a tithe, and a tithe means one-tenth, so a tenth of your income. And... But maybe this is a whole new concept to you, and you've never heard somebody or a panel talk about this in church before. Here's what I encourage you to do. Say, Holy Spirit, how can I start giving, and what should I start with? And just start somewhere. And then allow yourself to grow in this area, and, uh, and then see where God takes you from there. And I know that I've been in church my whole life, and guess what? I'm giving more today than I've ever given in my whole life. And guess what? On the other hand, I have more today than I've ever had in my whole life. I, it doesn't make sense to my mind, but it's a principle that the more you sow, the more you reap. So I'll end it with that. Awesome. So we got a bunch of questions in, so let's make our answers short and sweet. Um, Leo, I'll have you answer this question. Um, is money the root of all evil? No. Scripture clearly says that money is not the root of all evil, but it does say that the love of money is the root of all evil. I agree with Scripture and with Leah. Awesome. Um, is it wrong for Christians to play the lottery once in a while? 
The fact that someone had to say once in a while means there's <laughs> conviction already. <laughs> um, but I, I think, the, the, remember, the heart of the issue is the issue of the heart. So, who is your source? Is it OLG? Lotter, Ontario Lottery Gaming Commission or whatever those letters are? Or is God your source? He shall supply all my needs according to His riches in glory. Yeah, but I felt the Holy Spirit tell me to play tonight. Well, I question, was that the voice of the Holy Spirit? Now, if you choose to play the lottery and you happen to win, by all means, uh, you can give your tithe next Sunday. I think when it comes to lottery, the way that I see it, somebody has to lose for you to win. You know, because if everybody wins, there is not going to be a jackpot. So even if it's 30 million or 40 million or whatever, some people have to have lost some amount. And in the kingdom of God, it's always a win-win. If it's the blessing from the Lord, it's a win-win. Everybody wins in the kingdom of God. So uh, that is the way that I view it, you know, because you will hear of, uh, even in uh, the casino, the, the one close to uh, uh, Niagara, you know, yeah, you hear of people committing suicide because they've lost so much money. So if you win from that, you know, how are you going to feel if you know that some of the money that you actually win, somebody lost it, and because of uh, the fact that they lost that money, they ended up you know, taking their own life. So it's win-win, even if it's a blessing from God. That's the way that I see um, Well, I like to go to Scripture to get my guidance, and in Proverbs it talks about um, if you're trying to get, if you're greedy, you're going to end in destruction. So that quick win is something of greed in my perspective that if you're trying everything to just get something quickly, but there is something about the process of working and earning that helps you to develop the character that I believe God wants us to develop. So is it wrong? I will leave you to, to battle that question with God. But for me, I will not do that because I believe there are principles in scripture that show us that we need to work hard to earn what we get. That's good. That's good. Awesome. Uh, Ola, I'm just... Awesome. Thank you, brother. Okay, let's continue. Uh, Ola, um, I'll have just you answer this question. Why don't you text it? Uh, we just texting, please. Um, so I'm just going to go with our rules. Um, Ola, I'll have you answer this question. Um, is it sinful to desire wealth? Well... Like, uh, from some of the passages that have been cited before, I believe our number one pursuit should be the Lord. Okay? When we pursue him, like the Bible says, uh, no good things. You know, the Lord, the Lord is not going to withhold any good things from those that follow him, those that love him. So, our, our primary pursuit, like the Bible says, uh, you should, when they were asking Jesus about um, the greatest commandment, so thou shalt love the Lord your God all your heart, with all your soul, you know, with all your strength. And as we do that, God can add unto us. But if desiring wealth becomes your primary pursuit, then you're going to do all kinds of things you know, that you're not supposed to be doing in the process. Whereas if God is the one that you are pursuing and you trust in him to be the one that blesses you, I believe uh, he is faithful to do that. So it's, so it's wrong you know, to desire wealth as a primary pursuit. Awesome. 
Awesome. Leah, I'll have you answer this next question. Um, if I don't have a job, no income, should I still give from the little I have? Um, my response to that is we tithe in proportion to our income, but we give offerings in proportion to our dreams. So if God has given you a dream, give an offering. God says that if you give, he will be faithful. So that's the only area I see that God has said that we could test him in it. Um, so uh, if the Holy Spirit is prompting you to give, don't, oh, don't disobey the Holy Spirit. Jesus told a story of the widow, and she gave the two coins um, in the offering, and he was looking. So there is something that God is looking at our hearts. So it's not a matter of, well, I only have this little bit. What should I do with it? If God is leading you to give and you feel that prompting, obey the prompting of the Holy Spirit. Awesome. Ola, if Jesus is coming quickly, in quotations, should I save money for retirement so I can live comfortably, or should I give as much away now to those in need, not storing up where it could grow mold? You know, I think uh, the way that I will answer that is, is related to what the pastor spoke about before, that when we give today, we give according to our persuasion, you know, according to our conviction, okay? So if it comes to the issue of saving and you're thinking that Jesus might come tomorrow, so maybe I, I should spend everything that I have now or give everything that I have uh, uh, today. If the Holy Spirit convinces you that, then go ahead and do it, you know, but just make sure it's the Holy Spirit because if Jesus doesn't come tomorrow, you're going to be stuck, you know, with regards to where you are going to get, what, what you're going to do. So, but I think the primary thing is to be led by the Holy Spirit. If you are being led by the Holy Spirit, every other thing is going to take care of itself when it comes to how much, you know, you're supposed to save or how much you're supposed to give. Awesome. I'm going to ask uh, our pastor to answer one last question and then wrap us up. If your question didn't get answered or if something sparked inside of you, I encourage you to email us at info at westernroadchurch.com if you would like your question to be answered. Um, so some, um, here we go. How do you not make money a focus in your life? You need money to do everything virtually. So how do you not worry about it? It's a great question. As we had our third baby, Priscilla and I also talked about how are we going to afford all the diapers and all of that. Can you read it one more time? Because it was well phrased. Yeah. So how do you not make money a worry in your life? Because you need it for all the essentials. Okay. For Priscilla, it's a little different, but she's not here. So for me, it's really easy because I take God's word. And I stand on it. So if he's my source, I have nothing to worry about. I have nothing to worry about. And I've never been in lack. I've never been in lack. And I know that sounds like too simple as an answer. Um, but sometimes we overcomplicate what God said simply. And if he said, I will supply all your needs according to my riches in glory. Guess what? I say, okay, Lord, I don't have to fear. I don't have to worry. I have to work, but I don't have to worry. That you will supply all my needs according to your riches in glory. Now, notice it says needs, not wants. Because I want a lot of new things and nice things. But God gives me what I need. 
And he makes sure that uh, I have everything for this life. Matthew 6.33, seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness. So I have to make sure I'm living right. And I'm pursuing, like Ola said, God's kingdom, God. I'm putting those things first. And then all these things shall be added unto me. If the birds of the field never lack food, then God takes care of them. How much more will he take care of you and me? So that's really like the conversation I have with myself. Uh, Sometimes I'm saying it out loud and I'm declaring it over myself and my family that I have everything I need for this life because I have the one in my life that provides it. So uh, with that being said, I just want to close us off with uh, one thought, but it has two points. Uh, Matthew 6, 24, no one can serve two masters for you will hate one and love the other. You will be devoted to one and despise the other. And then it says in the same verse, you cannot serve God and be enslaved to money. Very specific. You can't say, well, was he really talking about money? No, he was. You cannot serve God and money at the same time. And so the two things, make sure we don't have a love for money, because Leah clarified that with that, that verse in First Timothy 6.10, for the love of money is the root of all kinds of evil. The love of money is the root of all kinds of evil. So number one, make sure we don't have a love for money. And then number two, make sure money does not become our God. Remember, you have money or money has you. And it's important that we understand that. Money, just a few thoughts as we close. Money itself is not evil. It just amplifies whatever is already in that person's heart. It amplifies whatever is in your heart. That's what money does. Money is a tool. You can use it for good or you can use it for bad. Just like the internet, just like cell phones, just like everything else. And then... I close with a verse I already quoted in one of my responses, but Proverbs 10:22, the blessing of the Lord makes a person rich. Again, drawing that the source is from God. The blessing of the Lord makes a person rich, and he adds no sorrow to it. So I truly believe that when it comes from God, it's a blessing. When it comes by other means, and some of them are ill means, such as the lottery, like was said, then... It's not a blessing. It becomes a curse. And, and, and we mishandle money. We, we, it leads to destruction, as the scriptures say. And so it's important, uh, as we close, that we just remember, who are we pursuing? Let it be God. And as we pursue that, everything that we need, He shall supply. Can somebody say amen? amen. Would you stand to your feet as we prepare to close this morning? Again, thank you for... Uh, Ola and Leah, your willingness to do this. Thank you, Spencer, for being our moderator. For all of you that posed your questions, next week we will be talking about sex and relationships. Who wants to be on the panel? (laughs) So um, I'm carefully praying through that and who we will ask and have. Uh, but, But let's ask the questions. The world is very easily pushing um, their agenda on sex and relationships. But it's important as a Christian, you know what the Bible speaks of and what the Bible says and where we stand on God's word on those issues. And so I I trust that questions will spark info 
at westonroadchurch.com. Uh, if you'd like to give us a heads up for those who are on the panel, if you'd like to surprise us with your questions, you, again, you, you'll be able to text them next year, uh, next year, next week. <laughs> Lack of sleep, baby number three, but it's all good. Uh, but let's pray. And my prayer today as, as this week was going on is, Lord, I know we're going to talk about money, but, but what do you want to say to your church? And I truly believe the heart of God for Weston is that we would become a generous church, not just within our walls, but that we would be known for our generosity. That, that God would entrust us with money so that we can release it for His kingdom's work. That we would see our city transformed, but also the nations of the world. Amen? And so that's really what uh, I sense God saying is, as we talk about money, let's, let's ask the Holy Spirit how we can be generous in, uh, in this specific area. Because I believe He wants to prepare our church to be used in a mighty way, in a special way, in the area of generosity. So let's pray as we commit everything we have, including our finances, to God. Heavenly Father, I thank You. For this morning, I thank you that your scripture has so much to say concerning money and possessions. Lord, I understand today we've only scratched the surface. But God, I pray that we would do the homework for ourselves now. You've, you've given us access to your word. I pray that we would dig deep. Lord, I pray that everyone here would sense our humility as we discuss money. Lord, it's simply a tool that you place in our hands. And Lord, it's our decision whether we use it to be a blessing or to be stingy and greedy and keep it for ourselves. But God, I pray that in any circumstance, we would always realize and trust that you are the source of everything that we have, and that includes our finances. Lord, I pray that there would be now a release of finances over your church. Lord, that there would be, as your word says, a transfer of wealth from the wicked to the godly. That we can see your kingdom advance in a mighty way in these last days. And Father, I thank you that you want us and you're shaping us to become an even more generous church. That we would be known as a house of faith, a, a house of prayer and worship, but also, Lord, a house that is generous. That we would would be able to, Lord, fund projects and to see, Lord, the work of your kingdom advancing in our city, but also in the nations of the world. So, God, there is a purpose for finances. And so, God, I thank you today for this discussion that we've had. I pray that um, our, our hearts would be inspired to give, not by man's word, but by your Holy Spirit. So now, God, as we leave from this place, may we continue to be salt and light, the hands and feet of Jesus wherever we go. And, Lord, we thank you today for it has been good to be together in the house of the Lord. Now, may the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ, the love of God, and the fellowship of your Holy Spirit accompany us on our way. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. God bless you. We'll see you next week for Sex and Relationships. Thank you so much for listening to the Sermon of the Week. God wants to work in your life and we want to hear about it. Please take a moment to share your story by emailing amen at westonroadchurch.com. Thanks again for joining us. We hope listening to this week's message has equipped you to be the light wherever you go.